You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 44 of our show, where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and more. We're recording on Wednesday, November 25th, 2015. I want to ask all of our USA listeners to go to appleinsider.com on Friday for an exclusive offer. The deal is this. You get a free 32GB Apple TV with the purchase of any 2015 MacBook Pro, plus up to $230 in additional discounts per model with no tax in 48 states. This is one-upping our offer from last year. This Black Friday, Apple Insider has teamed with one of Apple's top authorized resellers to knock $30 to $111 off of all 2015 13-inch MacBook Pros and $71 to $230 off of all 2015 15-inch MacBook Pros and then throw in a brand new 4th generation 32GB Apple TV on top of those discounts for free. Plus, free shipping and no tax in 48 states. Be sure to go to appleinsider.com on Friday for this and more discounts. So, Neil, one of the other uh, sponsors of today's shows is uh, Mac Weldon. And Mac Weldon makes all kinds of, of apparel goods, T-shirts, socks, undergarments, things like that. And they, uh, they, they wanted to sponsor the show, and they wanted us to talk sort of extemporaneously about their kind of product and, uh, and how it's related to, to, you know, our sort of lives. And... I wanted to start out by just throwing this out there. Did, did you ever have anyone ever give you socks for Christmas? <laughs> yes. And what was your reaction when you got socks for Christmas? Uh, usually they were bought as a joke gift. <laughs> oh, okay. So it was totally a joke. You knew it was a joke kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. I remember being like seven years old and getting socks as a gift from an aunt and being really kind of put out that that this this was the gift that you give me and that was like the only gift from this aunt <laughs> and <laughs> you know cool cool person but uh, i only learned that as an adult that she was a cool person for for the longest time as a kid i i just like it's like what the heck was that you know so do we agree that socks are kind of a a boring and jokey kind of gift right yes i would agree with that mikey you think the same way um i suppose Mikey, is there a circumstance under which you want to get socks for a gift? I don't know, man. Socks are, socks are pretty cool. Well, that's, that's exactly what Mac Weldon wants us to think, is, is that they think they've taken socks from being this boring, jokey kind of gift into being something that's a top-of-the-line gift that you should feel good about. And what they're doing is they're using smart design, they're using premium fabrics, and they're trying to make it interesting. They're trying to make it something that you're glad to get. And all of their fabrics are naturally antimicrobial which means they don't stink. So no more stinky socks. And one of the things that I like about the shopping experience with them, because I've been trying out and looking through their web store, is that if you don't like the first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you without asking questions. So it's, it's really uh, a low-risk proposition. You just go ahead and place your order, and if you don't like it, you keep the first pair. And all of our listeners can go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using the promo code INSIDER. So who knows? Maybe socks would be a cool gift this year. Now, I want to jump into the topics. We had our impressions post this week about the Apple Pencil. So we had our first look with it. Uh, Neil, was that yours? Yeah, I got my hands on it last week and uh, got to doodle around with it a little bit. So 
you, you, we got the first look article, and we also had an article about what you can and cannot do with an Apple Pencil on an iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us about that. What, what can you do, and what can you not do with the Apple Pencil? Well, when the uh, Pencil was uh, not quite in the hands of everybody yet, there were some people in our comments that uh, had heard rumors that you couldn't do certain things or whatever, like you couldn't launch apps with it or use it on the home screen or things like that. That's not true. You can do all that kind of stuff. You can type on a keyboard with it. You could use a swipe keyboard for one-handed typing if you wanted. Um, all that stuff works. There are certain things that don't work, like uh, obviously any five-finger gestures like for multitasking you can't do. Uh, none of the edge gestures work, so you can't do slide over. Um, you can't resize windows in split view. You can't bring up control center or bring down the notification center. Um, you have to use your finger for those. But other than that, uh, it works basically as you'd expect. Uh, even palm, rec- uh, palm rejection, I should say, works with apps that aren't designed for the pencil. So so what are the best uses of the pencil? I mean, obviously for drawing, but I, I suppose if you really wanted a stylus, um, you could use it as a way to not get smudges all over the screen. Uh, I, at that point, you could buy a cheaper stylus that just emulates your finger, I think, and it would do just as good of a job. The, the real advantage of the pencil is the technical capabilities of it, understanding pressure and tilt and that sort of thing. And is is the pencil perfect? Um, I mean, I you know, I think Mikey would be better to answer that one because I, uh, I think it's great, but I don't draw. So, okay, Mikey. Um, yeah. It, it, well, it's not perfect because there's no perfect app out there yet. Um, there's a few. I mean, so what's what's the hardest thing about using the pencil? Um. The hardest thing about using it? Uh, yeah, what's 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 the thing that, that catches you out the most on it? I guess the... I guess it... Well, I mean, it's the thing with all styluses, right? You're writing on a piece of... You're writing plastic on glass, so it's a odd feeling. You don't have that... Uh, you don't have that feedback or that, that friction that kind of stops you from writing you know it's it it's a little fatiguing at times and it's just uh, a bit unnatural um and i think uh, it's better than other than other styli in that it has a uh kind of it's not it's not a total rubber plastic you know it's not like a soft rubber plastic tip so it doesn't require a lot to get it going um but it is uh, because it is a little bit harder. It you're going to have to control everything with your hand. You know, you can't rely on a on a piece of paper like the the teeth or the the toothing on a piece of paper to bring your pencil to a stop. You'd have to do that with your hand, right? Now you said there was no perfect app. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you would expect from a perfect app or what's missing? Uh, well, I mean, Apple's Notes. It's it's good, right? It it um, supports tilt gestures, supports tilt pressure, and all that good stuff that Pencil does, right? And there are a few good apps out there, like uh, Adobe Sketch is pretty good. Uh, you can create some decent things with that. But there are, for uh, for artists, I think, will you know, it's kind of hard to make the jump if this is like their, their first digital um drawing tool 
it it's a little it's not really i mean it's it's probably the most natural that i've seen including uh wacom cintiq but there is there that's there's still that gap you can't like for example when you're sketching with a pencil uh on in adobe sketch or something you can't go ahead and smudge that um with real uh accuracy or uh you have to do that in in tool settings there's a smudge option there's a smudge tool that you can that you can bring up but um it doesn't it, it'll take a while to really dial that in to a point where it's mimicking natural um like your natural workflow uh so if there's an app that can uh, somehow combine both uh, writing with a pencil or Apple Pencil and also um, bringing in like uh, fingertip gestures like like smudging or something, say, in an intuitive way, then that would be optimal. Um, but I am very impressed with, uh, with other apps uh, like Pixelmator is pretty good. Um, what else is good? Actually, all of Adobe's apps are are fairly well thought out for Apple Pencil. Um, they also they support pressure sensitivity and and tilt. Um, but I did notice that it's not as uh, fine tuned as Apple's Notes app uh, for some reason. It yeah, you know, huh. it could be. I mean, it they they probably didn't have access to the pencil for very long before, you know, they had to get out those updates. But I suspect a lot of other uh, drawing-minded apps will be taking advantage of it in the uh, very near future. It would also be cool to cool. have like a like oil painting app that would um, more realistically uh, ape some of the some of the tools that people use, you know, like, uh, um, besides the brushes, uh, like a, like a palette or, um, other things, you know, it's a, it's kind of hard, but, uh, I think oil painting is probably a bit too much for, for Apple pencil at, the, at this point. So, what should people know about before they go and buy the Apple Pencil? Is there some some advice, some gotchas, or something that you think people should understand and know about? I mean, it works pretty well out of the box with everything that you would expect it to, even apps that aren't made for the Pencil. So um, when I got mine, as luck would have it, one of the first things I had to do was fill out a, a lengthy contract by hand. And I don't really write very much, if ever, so the fact that that happened on that day was... Uh, <laughs> pure coincidence. But, um, so I, I loaded up on my iPad pro and used the pencil and I used it with a PDF expert and it worked great. I, I don't know that PDF expert is like specifically updated for the pencil. I don't know that that was, uh, part of it, but, um, it, uh, yeah, it, it 
you know, I just chose the size that I wanted to write with and used the pencil and uh, the palm rejection worked great. And I just filled out the document and it looked just like my regular crappy handwriting. I think it was. It wasn't one of Apple's featured apps when the... Uh Maybe I didn't really notice anything specific in terms of pressure sensitivity or tilting or anything like that. Yeah, PDF Expert's pretty good. So what are the best apps that you think people ought to try with the pencil first? Clearly Apple Notes. Clearly you named the Adobe apps in general. What what are the ones that people should go to for sure? Well, it depends what they're doing, right? I mean, if, if they're doing any sort of art stuff, uh, Adobe's suite is... Uh, probably one of the best options out there right now. The only problem with that is that they're all separate apps, right? They're, they break them out into drawing and photo editing and stuff like that. Um, but really there's not a huge selection right now where that really truly take advantage of uh, Apple Pencil's capabilities. So I would say play around with the Notes app, Adobe stuff, um, Pixelmator's good. And beyond that, I, I wasn't really too impressed with the others. And Neil, you have any closing thoughts on the uh, pencil for now? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm impressed with it, but I'm not a drawer, so I can't see myself using it a lot. Okay, yeah, you're much more into the uh, the keyboard. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I avoid writing by hand whenever possible because my handwriting is terrible and I can actually read when I type and I can type faster than I can write, so... So we had big news in Apple Pay, right? We had two things happen. We had Square launching an NFC car, mobile card reader with Apple Pay support. And we also had, uh, in London, MasterCard offered Londoners uh, free Monday rides for using Apple Pay. So for, first of all, I'm going to just go into this. I've got some questions. So Neil, I mean, what's better about using Apple Pay versus EMV or chip card? I mean, you can have all your cards on one phone, and using EMV is kind of a pain in the butt where you have to insert it into that little slot where it reads the chip and then wait for it to authorize and then blah, blah, blah. With Apple Pay, you just tap and go. So I've been going around, and at all the retailers I've seen that are supporting Apple Pay or supporting uh, contactless NFC payments, you know, uh, the Apple Pay, the, the Android Pay, things like this. Right. I have seen signage, whether it's hand-drawn by the retail employees themselves or actually put in place by the stores, you know, nice printed proper signage, saying, we have a new retail system, please bear with us, and and here are the steps for actually using the chip slot. Um, you know, at Trader Joe's this morning I was there, and they've, they've each of their employees has hand-drawn a thing they've pasted on top of the, Ver- the uh, Verifone reader, saying, please bear with us and let us help you. Um, at Target, there was a, a piece of signage that had been printed up by Target that ha- had steps for how to use the MV slot. I get the sense that it is really weird for the consumer and causing a lot of problems. So I, I wanted to ask if you guys had that kind of experience. I haven't really, but I'm not really a uh, I'm not really a someone to look at because we don't really have that many alternatives in Hawaii. I mean, we do, we're starting to get them, but I think Neil, who lives in a major metropolis, would see, uh, be more, uh, offer a little more information on the subject. Yeah, I mean, there's some quirks at some places, like I have a subway right across the street that, uh, subway sandwich shop, not a subway station, uh, that has Apple Pay enabled, but their terminal is like on the other side of the counter as part of their kiosk. 
So, like, you can't really use it in there. They have it, the sign on the door that says, hey, we take Apple Pay, but they just don't have it set up in a functional way. Um, you know, places like Trader Joe's work great. All the cabs work great. My perspective is that Apple Pay is way better than the chip card. And I, I think it's really cool that Square is launching their reader because it means that there will be more retailers able to take Apple Pay. The thing that was curious to me about these two stories, the one, the second story was the one that was weird for me. Where So the people in London have been using NFC transactions for the tube for ages. They've had the Oyster card and they just tap the Oyster card on the turnstile and walk through. So why is MasterCard doing this promotion where they're offering Londoners free rides using Apple Pay. To get people to use MasterCard? Is that their whole aim there, is to try and just increase MasterCard adoption? You, I mean, yeah, you would think. You know, uh, Discover was late to adopt Apple Pay in the U.S., and they responded by offering three months of 10% cash back on all purchases with Apple Pay until the end of the year. So, you know, some of these uh, companies want to do... And uh, MasterCard in the U.S. had that promotion where you could win stuff if you used Apple Pay, the priceless memories or whatever they called it. So yeah, these credit card companies are just doing what they can to drive adoption. They want to become the default card on your Apple Pay. They want to be as frictionless as possible in making transactions. Do you think that that Apple Pay is is uh, more secure for them? Is sort of like the preferred path not only to be the default card, but they want you to be using Apple Pay to do it? Yeah, because it's it's secure for them. So they they're going to deal with less fraudulent transactions. And if you're a good upstanding credit card member, uh, they're going to eat the costs if your credit card number gets stolen. So, you know, they don't they don't want that to happen. So you're not going to end up with a stolen credit card number if you're using Apple Pay. So it's in their best interest to embrace it as well. I, I think when they move to Apple Pay and they move to... Um, right, so you're right. When they move to Apple Pay and they move to EMV, the credit card company is the one that's liable. If they're still doing swipe transactions, it becomes the retailer that's liable. Yeah, I mean, after the October switch, basically what the credit card companies said was, we're not going to handle the costs anymore if you don't upgrade to the latest technology. <clears throat> so they want everybody on NFC or on uh, EMV. I, I feel like that transition is going pretty slowly and pretty rocky. It's just my, I, it's anecdotal. To be expected. I, I mean, there's a lot of uh, points of sale out there. Yeah, and I, I just think it hasn't, you know, I, I still go to places that don't even have this, the uh, EMV slot enabled yet. Yeah. So Mikey... Yes, Victor. You reviewed the Apple Watch magnetic charging dock. Yes, I did. First of all, do you like it? I do, actually. Surprisingly. I kind of wanted to... Why is well, that Well, I kind of wanted to not like it because, uh, I don't know, selling a um, $80 dock is is a bold move, to say the least. You're saying it's, it's potentially overpriced? Well, I mean, that's what... In... Yes, in perspective to its other docks, it's basically the same price as far as, you know, the new aluminum iPhone docks that come in three different colors. It's, it's identically priced. It's the same um, because it comes with a two meter long lightning cord. So, I mean, it's a kind of value added thing, but um, the package, I mean, you know, packaging them together is makes the price what? like one what what is the what is the cheapest watch at right now on um i know they're having some black friday sales i think best buy is having a hundred dollars off all of the watches yeah so that is one of so that makes it a pretty huge chunk of a actual watch right so um yeah so it it is kind of i don't know 
I feel like maybe I wanted to dislike it, but I didn't. Um, and mainly for the reason that it is actually very handy compared to the other watch docks that I've tried out. I mean, um, you just slap the thing down and it has an integrated charging puck that you don't have to put in. So, it, you know, it's already built in. It doesn't have those like weird wire routing things going on. Apple's done that for you. Um, and you can also charge it sitting up in nightstand mode. Uh, just flip the puck up and you're good to go. But I think the thing I was most impressed about is its design. Um, I know the design is a very personal you know, thing. You have d opinions on it. I don't know. What, what do you think about design? The, the design, just looking at it in, in pictures, Victor. Well... I'm glad you asked. I um, I haven't found many stands that I've liked. This one seems like it was it was an attempt at complete reductionism, right? All you get is a circle pad and the circle charging puck, and that's right. kind of it. <clears throat> if you look closer, I mean, it's obviously designed by one well, obviously, but I mean, it's pretty obvious. It was designed by Narc, Mark Newson, right? It takes after his designs while he was at. Uh, well, at his other company, um, yeah, Ikepod, Ikepod, however you pronounce it, uh, he's had products that look almost exactly the same, um, and that's not a bad thing, really. It is a departure from Apple's other designs, you know, the, the Johnny Ive style, um, flat surfaces, and you know, rounded edges bevels chamfered edges and rounded bevels and stuff like that so it's kind of a refreshing change and it does a lot to help set apple watch off aside from apple's other products like iphone and ipad it's it, it does a lot to help it stand out on its own and it kind of speaks to apple's uh new direction of creating a true fashion product something that can be sold as a fashion accessory instead of um you know something that's purely just a pretty piece of technology let me ask you a little bit about this so what what's the texture of the most of the surface well the top is kind of like a soft touch rubber it feels similar to um like they're i don't know it's kind of weird but you know they're larger cords that connect uh the IMAX and stuff like that. It's kind of like that, except with a slight, slight texture to it. So it's kind of soft, and the uh, it extends past the edge, the perimeter. So the, there's a little ring of that's sort of a little yeah. It's lip, like it a. Like. It's kind of like you know if you pinched if you pinched off um, like a piece of ravioli or something. Right. Is is that lip uh, heat sealed at all? Um, I think it is. I can't tell for certain because I didn't take it apart, but, uh, it looks to be that way. It looks like, a kind of like flashing. I don't know if you're, familiar. yeah. Yeah. That's the part I don't you like. You don't like that? Yeah. I, I didn't like that at first either because it was very non Apple. It seemed, um, kind of unnecessary. <sighs> Turn off your tech Mikey, why do you keep, it's in the other room. You guys can hear that. Okay. It's off. So. Um, 
Yeah, that flashing is is a little bit irritating to me. You said it was irritating. It was. To you at it first. was. Uh, what but happened? then I realized, you know, that it's it act, it really works well with the design, and it does a lot to make it stand out among Apple's other products. It's very non y right? It's like you don't see those kinds of flourishes elsewhere in Apple's product lineup. So it kind of is in your face saying that, you know, this is not the usual, the usual thing. I'm, I'm torn here. I like the way that the charging puck flips up. I like that it, the little hinge out of the, the center circular ring and the whole mirrored finish to it. That part looks very nice. That looks like jewelry, but the, the lip and the, the sort of heat sealed look to it just feels like cheap and unfinished to me. Hmm. So yeah, it, it looks a little different in real life. Um, I think it does work well with it when you see the materials and all that good stuff up close. Uh, in pictures, it, it does look a little cheapy. Better in real life yeah. than photographs. But I mean, you know, go down, check it out if you're interested in it. Um, I recommend seeing one firsthand. Does it cost eighty dollars? What does it? The the is it eighty? Yeah. 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 It is. Yes. Way too much money. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you consider you. that, I mean, you have the $30 charging cable with it, it comes out to $50. So it's basically 50 But it's not a charging, it's just a lightning cable. Yeah. Which Apple sells for a really long lightning bucks, cable. So it's a lightning cable that plugs into the dock. Mm-hmm. And then the dock itself has the lightning charger on it. So it's not like you could bring it with you on the go and have like a nice portable. I mean, you already have a cable, I guess, that came with your mm-hmm. watch, but still. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same price. Look, if you take away the cable, right, it becomes $50. It's a $50 charger. And unlike... Uh, but you can't. You have to buy it with the, ch- with the cable. You have to buy them together. You're, you're doing the breakdown to yeah. see what the bill of materials feels well, no, like. I, well, not only that. I'm but, just, you, but you still I'm, have I'm to buy it the- down to... Okay. Well, think about it this way. Um, you can't use it with the... Uh, it, it'll be difficult to use it with the lightning cable that it the watch came with you can't use it with the no, you, cable at the no, watch no. but you can use this I, I don't have to use their two meter long cable right i can bring mm-hmm. any other apple lightning cable mm-hmm. and plug yeah it in there. it's just got a port yeah. on the side right is there anything special about their two meter long cable other than the fact that it's longer is it better made no they just packaged a two meter cable in there with it does it have better strain release no. on it no it's the same it's just a two meter cable without the white box packaging that it usually comes in they have a huge cable with the ipad pro how long is that cable? Uh, like five or six feet or something. Yeah. So it's, it's the same two meter cable. It's good for, you know, wrapping around your nightstand, etc. And you also have to, you know, uh, the puck itself, if you, it's integrated into the dock, right? So right. in that sense, it's a bit more of a value proposition compared to their iPhone cables or their iPhone docks which are pieces of aluminum with a lightning connector sticking out the top so it's a bit more technology in the dock itself okay so so how you just you're starting to get there but i want to ask ask it how is this better than the third party stands um the the puck is integrated so so you don't have to try yeah. and put it in. You don't have to try yeah, and you're not gonna get, that. That part alone. Yeah, makes you're not going to get that weird. You know, you're gonna you're not going to lose whatever amount of cable it it takes to put into the route around and you know 
slap it on. Some of the docks come with hidden cable routing things so you can wrap the cable around a bunch of times so you don't have to put all a bunch of extra, extra slack. Are you thinking of the Griffin one? Yeah. yeah. What are some of the other ones we looked um, at? Uh, I have one from somebody else. It's very... I think they charged like 60 bucks for it when it came out. And we reviewed it here on the podcast, and it was the first one out. And my take on it was, I mean, if you want to spend $60 on a dock, I mean, you'll be happy. But it's not worth $60. Yeah. I, I forget. Who was it? It, was, it wasn't the Griffin one. It was... Uh, we got the Griffin one second. Was it, it was Mophie another, or somebody? There was an aluminum one that we had. Yeah, first. it was an aluminum dock. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, but the thing is integrated. The puck is integrated into the Apple one. Um and there's a small, you know, just regular wire going into the base, and then it right. routes to the lightning connector port. So you you came to this Mo- Mophie the, Apple Watch dock mm. is what it is, and it, okay, it launched in May. It was the first one out, and it was priced at fifty nine ninety five, which is just way mm. too much. Yeah. So for, first of all. Since we said that's way too much, and this we, we initially thought was too much, what's what's the right price for a dock? What should a dock? Come? I mean, Apple's should be the the one that Mikey's got. It should be fifty or sixty. And what should thirty party ones? Thirty. Cost? If they don't have their own cable, twenty or thirty. Okay, good to know. So so the biggest benefit of getting this is that it's made by Apple and it comes with a really long cable, and you get a second charger basically instead of having to reuse your initial puck that right. came with your watch. Right. Who should buy this thing? Should, is there someone you have to recommend this to completionist? And say, you know, that's exactly who needs yeah. this thing. I mean, if you, well, I don't. I it's, it it depends because I don't really use a dock, right? I mean, Apple made it so I've kind of been trained to not use a dock because it didn't come with one. So I don't really use a dock. Do, Neil, do you use a dock with your iPhone every night? Yeah, I still use, I just panned it, but I still use the Mophie one that they sent me. They told me to keep it, and um, it sits on my nightstand, and I use it. Because I, I prefer having docks for my stuff. Mm. I use an overpriced elevation dock, Ooh. too, for my iPhone. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I like I just like having docks for my electronics so that they just kind of have a home when they're not in use, and it's easier to find them that way. I know where my phone is. I know where my watch is, all that kind of stuff. Did you get the dock for your new Apple TV Siri remote? No, I didn't get that. Uh, have you seen that one? Yeah, I saw it. You know, I probably should, quite frankly. I don't want to mount it, the thing on the TV, <laughs> but a place to put the remote would be nice so I don't lose the thing. Yeah. Cool. That's that's the stocking stuff, or I'll get that for you. <laughs> Who should have this? Completionists? People that need a second place to charge it? Is there any any reason that you can identify someone and say, that that's who should have this thing? Rich people? People who have an extra $80 to spend on an Apple Watch accessory? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think people who purchase the Apple Watch would be interested in this. Not like you and you and me, uh, people that write about tech or love technology and stuff like that. They might not be interested, but people who buy it for the fashion aspect of it probably would be people who would want to check it out. I mean, it, it is a nice little accessory to put on your table. Today's Apple Insider podcast is brought to you by Canary, a complete home security system in a single device. Since launching earlier this year, people across the world have been using Canary to stop burglaries and other serious incidents. And what Canary really is, at its heart, is an internet-connected camera with uh, internet storage. So it's got a 1080p camera 
with a wide-angle lens, motion detection, and night vision, and you can watch your home live at any time. It will send smart notifications. It's got an algorithm, so with motion detection, it will send out notifications to you that something out of the ordinary is happening at home. And it's got a siren. It's got a 90-decibel siren, which is loud enough to, to scare off intruders. Um, that's pretty ear-splitting. That is loud. Canary also pulls in local police and fire department numbers near your home, so if you're traveling, you can quickly get in touch with the right people. Uh, it arms and disarms when you come home, and you can link up to four of them together in a location, so it's easy to protect homes of all sizes. It also monitors your home's temperature, humidity, and air quality to protect you against the things that you can't see or hear. And it's got best-in-class night vision. Start protecting your home with Canary today for just $199. Go to meetcanary.com and use the promo code INSIDER to get free overnight shipping. That's M-E-E-T canary.com and the promo code INSIDER. Canary, smart home security for everyone. So we ran a PSA. We ran a public service announcement on the site this week recommending that people not use person-to-person money transfer services like Venmo with people that you do not know. Neil, break it down for me. First of all, what is Venmo for those of us who don't live in New York City or San Francisco? Uh, I don't know that Venmo is limited to New York City or San Francisco. It's used pretty much everywhere. Um, it's It started on college campuses. It's a frictionless way to send money to people. And basically the way that it works is, you know, you go to the movies with your friend and you don't have any cash and they pay for it and you want to pay them back, so you just Venmo them the money. It ties into your bank account, and they get the money, and everybody's happy. Um, I ran a. So what happens? What happens when you use P two P with with Venmo with people you don't know? Well, if you if you use Venmo, the thing is Venmo because of the way banks work, it takes two to three days for a transfer to take place. So Venmo essentially fronts the money. They say, okay, we'll put the money in there, and when your bank clears it, then it'll be that money that we'll take. Uh, what happens is uh, if someone sends money that they don't have in their account, uh, you, the recipient, end up being the one that gets screwed. So the reason you shouldn't use Venmo with people that you don't know, it's actually in their terms of service that they don't want using with people you don't know, is because scammers can do things like buy things from you and transfer you the money and it looks like you have the money. And then... A month later or two months later, you find out the money never came through, and Venmo, which doesn't guarantee purchases, says, too bad, and that's it. So I experienced this this week. I'm in the process of moving and was selling a couple old iPhones that I just never got around to selling, and I was pretty stupid about it. And I saw a transfer show up with money from Venmo. It looked like it was in my account. It was through the official app. Got an alert from Venmo. I got an email from Venmo. It all checked out. And at that point, you almost feel pressured because it's like, well, you paid me the money. Here you go. Take the phones. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it looked like I had the money and I was stupid and I didn't look into it. But something about it seemed suspicious. You know, uh, a guy was willing to send me money without even having looked at the phones. So um, I started Googling just because I knew something wasn't right. And that was when I found out how the scam works. So people, I guess, just set it up with fake bank accounts or something and there's money that isn't in the account, but they transfer it to you, and Venmo takes a few days to figure out the money is in the account, and then you never get the money, and then you're out two iPhones, and Venmo says, contact the person you did the transaction with. It's not our fault. Yeah, they have no clear so, uh, department. So I looked into it, and there was an article that uh, Slate had done a couple months ago where they talked about one guy who sold NBA tickets and ended up out like $2,500, and they contacted Venmo, and they didn't get their money back. So this happened to me Monday night. I contacted Venmo that evening. They said that they would hand it over to their investigation department. The next day, um, I was writing a story about it just as a PSA, just to let people know, 
because uh, I talked to my friends about it and nobody knew that you're not supposed to use Venmo with people you don't know. Everybody was like, I've never heard of this. So I, I reached out to Venmo from my work email account and just said, hey, working on a story on this, uh, was affected by this last night and just want to let people know so they know the policies of Venmo. Uh, about an hour after that, um, the in the Venmo app, I got an alert from their investigation department saying they had credited me the money that I was owed. Um, and then they sent me a quote after that. So you can draw your own conclusions about that. My, my uh, um, suggestion to people that are listening is uh, don't expect that you're going to get your money credited to you from Venmo because they don't promise it and they're not obligated to. And so I would imagine that in many cases they're just not going to. Um, I don't know how often or in what circumstances or how they decide to refund people their money. I, I didn't ask them to as the managing editor of Apple Insider. I asked them to as a, just a, a user of their service, and then I asked them for a quote as the managing editor of Apple Insider, at least with different email addresses. So um, that's kind of the way things played out. And you know, just want to be transparent with everybody when we write this kind of stuff. This wasn't meant to be an endorsement or slamming of Venmo. It's just more of a, we know you're out there using Venmo because it's convenient. Just be careful when you're using it. The reason that people like to use Venmo, especially when it got started in college campuses, is how frictionless it is. The sign-up process is very easy. And in making the sign-up process easy, you don't have to uh, verify as many things, like how much money is in a bank account, for example. So, yes, it's easy and convenient to use Venmo, but that comes with inherent security risks that some users may not realize. So that was just why we put, we put the PSA out there, just so people knew that don't do business on Craigslist with Venmo. It's a bad idea. Yeah. So let me ask, what is safe to use? What What would you recommend people do for person-to-person transfers? Cash. With strangers. Cash. Cash is good. I know that some people, the way that Square Cash works is different because it handles it as a credit card transaction and there's no fee to the user. Um, so maybe that's safer, but I honestly haven't looked into it enough. I've used Square Cash, but with friends. I've never used it with a random person and I've never been scammed on it. So I don't know. Um, I do know from experience that the way that Venmo operates allows people to scam like that, so you shouldn't use it with people you don't know. Uh, Square Cash, supposedly, people in comments and on Twitter were saying that it's more secure because of the way it works, but I'm hesitant to hand out a, um endorsement like that because I have not personally looked into it, and I don't know um, if you could scam with it. And I think it's just a good rule of thumb don't use these services to exchange money with people you don't know. Stick with cash if it's somebody you don't know and you're selling something on Craigslist. Or just, you know, take a little bit of a loss and sell it through a service that does back up what they say, like a StubHub or a, um, you know, if you were to uh, sell sell something to Amazon or something like that when they do buybacks on phones, stuff like that. Uh, you're probably better off. You're not going to make as much money, but at least you know that they're backed by a corporation that guarantees what they say. Right. Um, Square Cash, PayPal, Google Wallet are always do person to person, but your recommendation is play it safe. We can't endorse any of those because we don't know the the paths for... I think they're great with your friends, but if you can go over to your buddy's house and knock on the door and be like, hey, how come you didn't send me the money you owe me? That's a little different than some guy on Craigslist who has a burner number on his phone. Yes. Well, awesome. I'm so glad you uh, you got it resolved in your favor, and I'm so glad that uh, you brought this PSA to our attention. Yeah, it was a relief. I'll tell you that. I believe it. How, how many iPhones were you selling? Two, Two iPhone 6s. That's that's money. How much did those go for? $950. Yeah, I'm glad that was resolved. Yeah, 128 gig and 64 gig phones. Wow. Well, this has been the Apple Insider Podcast. Uh, I've been your host, Victor Marks, and with us we've had managing editor Neil Hughes. 
Hey, Neil, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at thisisneil, and you can read me at Apple Insider. Mikey mm-hmm. Campbell, thank you so much for contributing this week. Where can people find you on uh, the internet? At MikeyCampbell81 on Twitter and on Apple Insider. Brilliant. Well, if Neil sells all of his iPhones next week, we'll be sure to tell you about it on next week's Apple Insider podcast. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to those of our listeners in the U.S. And as a reminder, please feel free to check out AppleInsider.com for Black Friday specials on Friday. This episode is brought to you by Canary, a complete home security system in a single device. When Canary detects something out of the ordinary, it sends intelligent notifications with HD video straight to your phone. Canary puts you in control during an emergency. Through the Canary app, you can watch live footage, sound a built-in siren, or connect with the police near your home. Start protecting your home with Canary today for just $199. Go to meetcanary.com and use the promo code INSIDER to get free overnight shipping.